The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. This episode is about honoring yourself. It's about commitment, intention, reframing, focus, acceptance, and the importance of, well, being alone. It's also about asking for help. In this episode of Looking Up, I'm talking to my close friend, Melissa Wood Tepperberg. I'm sure many of you listening know her as Melissa Wood Health, and a lot of you might even subscribe to her virtual fitness platform and work out with her on a daily basis. She describes her purpose as someone who is here to guide others to a place of loving and accepting oneself exactly as they are. She's a mom of two, a wife, digital entrepreneur, the founder of Melissa Wood Health, creator of the MWH Method. She's a meditator, and she's certified in yoga and Pilates. As you'll hear in today's episode, she shares with us that despite what you may see online, for years she has struggled with feelings of inadequacy, like many of us. She also struggles with severe anxiety. She's had painful cystic acne and lived a life of secrecy. The pain eventually led her to an eating disorder and a sense of rock bottom. She eventually did what she describes as the most challenging thing in her life. She asked for help. After years of secrets and covering up trauma and insecurity with layers and layers, allowing friends and acquaintances to dictate her path, we are talking all about what it really takes to crack completely wide open and get to know what's really going on beneath the surface. All of it. We talk about therapy, meditation, daily practices, real mindset shift, the idea of micro moments, why the word diet is a dirty word, joy and perspective. In this episode, we are talking about the work, the work it takes on an everyday level to heal, to shift, to change and to thrive. This episode is going to be a little different and fun because it, Melissa is a good friend of mine and we haven't seen each other obviously because of this year and we live on different coasts. Um, But my very last trip was actually out to New York and I got to spend some time with you and Tina Marie and it was so so fun. fun. So this is going to be sort of a casual catch up, but also talking about many things, resiliency and optimism focused. And Melissa is someone I look up to very much as a friend, as a mom. And really, I look to her energy as well when I'm like feeling a little bit. When I'm happy, I look to your energy. But also when I'm like struggling a little bit, I look to your energy. So I am so happy to have you on. And I'm sure most people listening have heard of you and also um, probably work out with you. So the way we start looking up is with a little section that I like to call looking in. And it's just a a very short series of rapid fire style questions, really for myself and the audience to get to know you a little more intimately. So uh, without further ado, don't think about it too much. Whatever comes to your mind. Okay. Totally. So, Melissa, has there been a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? And if so, please share. Yes, absolutely. Hands down, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson changed my entire world, truly. I love that. I actually have not read that. Um, Oh my goodness. It's one of my all-time favorite books. Second question People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. 
I believe people believe I came from money and I grew up very, very poor. And it's, it's been something that's kind of come up a lot in my life. And not that I feel like I have to prove myself in any way, but it's definitely something that um, I think a lot of people don't really know about me. Yeah. I think one of the first times that we met, we sort of dived into that. We were both on a panel out in New York. I remember just being really moved by your story and just the way in which you got to the place that you are now, which is always my favorite type of topic to talk to anybody because nobody just wakes up where they are now. And so uh, in a little bit, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. Okay. When is the last time that you cried? (laughs) (sighs) Two days ago. I'm a big crier. I'm like, I feel deeply massive empath. I believe we all are, but you know, I think some people are in touch with that more so than others. And uh, yeah, I'm very sensitive and feel deeply for others. Everyone out there that has heard the podcast obviously knows I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I've like shared it way too many times. So I'm not going to share you the examples of um, how I can very much relate to that. Okay. In high school years, describe yourself in three words. Teenage, teenage Melissa during the high school years. Uh, insecure kind, and uh, secretive. Mm. I That's a really good one. Everything. I didn't want people to know a lot of, about my foundation, where I came from. I, I really built up a persona. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm really interested to crack that open a little bit. But my last mm-hmm. question for you is three things that have brought you joy today. Mm, this is so easy. Waking up and having my son literally attack me. I wasn't home yesterday. So he like woke up and, you know, hadn't seen me yesterday. And he's just like, I love you so much, mom. I miss you. And then leaving just now, my daughter telling me that, um, well, it was like a little sad at first because she's like, I don't want you to leave. Like, please don't leave. And I'm like, no, you can come to my office today. And she's like, okay, I can't wait. Like I look forward to it. (laughs) And I'm like, you're two and a half. You look forward. Like just just so sweet. And having breakfast with my husband. Oh, that's so nice. I'm like, I have a tough time just going to the office upstairs, but I had to print out a picture of a stop sign and put it, tape it on the outside of my door because we're trying something new since Jag just busts in here. And right. we don't have locks. We don't have right. locks on the door. Oh. And so like, I was oh. like, I know. <laughs> Sorry. It's really bad. I have locks high. That's what, I, that's what I need to right. do. It's just that mm-hmm. we take, when we decide to do something, it takes us about a year um, or basically until we move to a different place to actually do it. So that is on the list. I'll tell Don't worry, you. you're not the only one. <laughs> if people didn't know something about me, it's that I'm a true procrastinator. You are. That. Yes. I used like, to be. I was like the world's biggest procrastinator. And then I married my husband. (laughs) But it was really when we started dating where I was like, oh. Wait, so is he not a procrastinator? So he made you into not, or he He is is, such a Okay. He's like, anything he says he does. He Nothing, wait, he's just like, he's such a doer. Yeah, that's like my dad. Yeah, he seeing the way he navigates his life helped me really hone in and focus on my gifts. Yes. Truly. Like I, I, you know, I've I've never had anyone like him in my life. So it allowed me to really see like, oh, wow, like you actually can 
embrace your potential beyond anything you've ever imagined when you focus on it and you focus your attention and you keep coming back to it. It's very much like I share with my practice, like staying consistent with that, you know? That's actually- But you can change it. You can change it. I hope so because (laughs) I think I just haven't gotten to the point where it's like, I haven't hit my procrastination rock bottom yet. It was almost like I do my best work in part. Like I wrote my dissertation between Thanksgiving and Christmas and I had like two years to do it. Wow. And like it was, and it just like came out of me. But same with, same with tests. Like I, my husband was always like, when we talk about this, he's like, when I had to study for a test, like the minute I knew when the test was, I studied a little bit every day. I was like, I could not, like it, mine was the night before. And then like, I just retained all the information. And if I would have done it before- I, I didn't just, retain I would, it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I studied, I just like didn't know how to study for school, to be honest. And it's weird because I, I feel like my entire career has been like in school. Like I've done so much school. You've done And I so feel much. good at school, but like I, it wasn't until grad school that I really, I mean, aside from the dissertation, which I definitely procrastinated, but it was almost like I was just waiting. It was like, you know, it's writing. So it's almost like if you're writing a book or you have to be inspired and like in the moment and when it is there, you have to just go with it, which I'm so glad I was able to do that before I had children. Because when I had (sighs) the like the urge and I was ready to do it, like I didn't have anything else that was sort of in getting in the way of it, which now I think I'd have to be much more planning sort of oriented. But, you know, I feel like I was really good at school. But You're so lucky. In graduate school is really, I think it's because it was everything that I was obsessed with and passionate about. And right. it wasn't just about memorizing things for me. It was like really about understanding the concepts and applying them to like my patients at the time and in my right. own life that it's sort of, it was all just happening at once in a way where I think learning is kind of supposed to be. It's just that we go through school. I think our school system is so based on like memorization that it it's totally like, I is. I don't remember anything. Like I was so no. good at it, but I don't remember. I'm like the formulas. I don't remember. Algebra. I mean, I was for anyone listening that was horrible at school, like myself, I was, you know, it's funny. Like I never thought it was smart because I didn't go to college. I didn't go away to college. I was one of the only people it felt as if in my graduating class who didn't, I didn't even apply to schools. I also never felt very connected to school. Mm -hmm. I was always the one getting in trouble for like talking in class. And I, you know, I was great at communicating, but when it came to like applying myself and studying, I, I honestly didn't really know how to, I, I cheated a lot through school and I'm not proud of that. But I also didn't have parents who were sitting me down to apply myself. You know, it's like my mom and my dad had five girls and they worked many jobs and we were, they did the best that they could. So we were just doing whatever we really wanted to do. And school was not the top of my priority list. And now as I've, you know, I've gotten older and I've really found my passion and I've worked very hard to get to where I am today, I've... I love sharing this because I really, truly didn't think I was smart for most of my life. And now I, I know I'm very smart, but I'm smart in a different way than a lot of people who go to school and are, you know, very academically smart. So there's many different ways to get to a destination and school. Absolutely. While I think education is absolutely important, not everyone excels there. Right. I didn't. And I think back to like when I was going to a community college and I I thought I wanted to go to Syracuse University because that's what looked good on paper. That's the only reason. 
I had no other desire. And then I moved to New York and that was the best decision I ever made in my life. You know, I think that's such a good point. Cause I think that with so many things and, and intelligence being one of them, we sort of have these like very one way of like measuring and like feeling validated of like what it means to be intelligent, which is so incorrect. Like it's not about, there isn't only one way to measure or be validated in intelligence like within yourself. And I think that's such a great example, but that's like the type of school system that we're all put through. And, I know. and it's not great because it's not it's really like, hard when you're saying like you in your partnership right now with your husband, like what he has done for you, which is so amazing, was like really let you hone in and sharpen like your strengths yeah, and really he, like apply yourself. And like, it, wouldn't that be so amazing if that's like what we did with children <laughs> in school systems? Truly. I, yeah. I think so. I mean, I see Benjamin, like I think he's a little bit like me. I can just, I pick up on a few, you know, the way that he learns and I'm very similar. And I'm like, you know what? Like, you just have to, I believe you just have to embrace it all and really pay attention to where they shine. Right. Well, that's so interesting because it also brings me to one of like the things I talk about a lot in increasing optimism and resiliency with large companies or, you know, in my workshops or, or, you know, even with individual clients is really this idea of shining light on what what you're good at and your strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's something that sounds so simple, but as humans, we actually do very little of that. We actually are so yeah. much more prone and used to highlighting our, our sort of shortfalls and the things we need to improve on, the things we're not so great at and how we can like, we're on this like rat race of how we can improve that and be better all the time, which is great. It's a self-growth is great, but like it's, it's not great when you're not actually just figuring out what what you're really good at, what brings you joy, what lights you up, what your strengths are, like what you personally and uniquely have to offer, what, you know, what sort of turns you on. All yeah. those things are actually, they're so important for productivity and success um, emotionally, but also, you know, for our careers and our partnerships and relationships. And so if there's one thing to impart, it really is about giving yourself space and time to like focus oh on goodness. what you're good at. Yes. I we're mean, all that, good at things. We're all good at things. You know, one really pivotal moment in my life was when I was still living in the realm of shoulds and following this path of, okay, I'm modeling and, uh, you know, the natural progression is to move into acting. And while I, you know, I still love acting. Like I very much... I think today I'm like, maybe one day I'll do, I'll do a movie, you know, like I do, I love it. It's a hobby, but I wasn't passionate about it, which really gets in the way of the excitement of moving forward. So I got to a place where I wasn't excited about anything in my life. I was, I was so unfulfilled within, but like externally, everything looked beautiful. And like, how could I not be happy? with this life that I built and created with my partner. And, and then it, it really, you know, it gave me a moment where you need to take a real hard second because the last thing you want in life is to be unfulfilled and like, you know, have all these external beautiful things, but at the end of the day, feel empty. So I took a weekend to myself and just like tapped in to what made me happy. What made me excited to get up in the morning? I didn't make plans with any friends. I didn't talk on the phone. And the reason being is because I think 
for me, at least at that point in my life, I really let my friends dictate my path. Mm. And I, as much as I'm a leader, I'm very easygoing, which could lead into following the pack. And, uh, you know, it, like literally to the point where I was like, oh, I did high intensity workouts for years, never saw results, hated it. And then woke up one day and was like, I don't think this works for me. I can't join you on your classes. So it, you know, it was as simple as waking up in the morning, meditating, going rollerblading. I just went rollerblading the other weekend and that makes me so happy. I am so, it's just like, I'm so happy and it helps me tap into like all of the creative, like, juices in my body. And, and then I, I took a yoga class and I walked and I got a salad after, and then I made this delicious dinner and I made the list at the end of the day. Like everything on my list was simplicity. It was the simplest things that all boiled down to my everyday habits. And when I feel good, when I take care of myself, I feel my best. So that I knew in that, like I took two days, it was Saturday and Sunday. And I knew that moment that my passion was wellness, was taking care of myself, but not only me to share it. I loved sharing it and, and helping people. Like I, at the time I was working as a fit model and I would, you know, someone, the fit technician would say, she doesn't feel that I'm like, well, what did you, what's the first thing? And I'd go into like a well, full health coaching, like life coaching session. And, and then I, I enrolled at the Institute for integrative nutrition literally the next day. And it changed my life. Like tapping in that weekend was a yes. turning point for me. I think we often forget that. And, and it's not even forget, it's that we live these very full, fast-paced lives. And especially as women and especially as moms, mm-hmm. and especially over this last year plus, where I feel like a lot of people were touting this time as like the big slowdown. But like, I know for me and for many others, it actually felt quite the opposite. Like I have never been more forced to multitask in my whole life in a way that has definitely been costing me my mental health and physical health. You know, being a preschool teacher, being a mom, working full time, being someone that needs to manage my household, um, being a chef, (laughs) cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like just all of that and all the invisible work that really actually happens for women especially, but, um, you know, caretakers and, and mothers. And no matter how much you can try to, even partners that are so hands-on, I'm like very, very lucky to have an extremely hands-on husband and, and who's a great father. But in the end of the day, like I'm up here recording and if my son needs something, he's not going to disturb my husband in his office downstairs. He's going to come up to me. Right, and so course. it's that like, that all of that piled on. And, and what we realize is that with every interview that I've been doing for this podcast and also the research that I do and, and the years in this, what I realize everything boils down to is that if I could prescribe everyone with something that would actually change their life, it would literally be to take some time to go within. Oh, and, and it's so like, it sounds so simple, but no. even me as someone that like, I'm an optimism doctor and this is literally what I do. It's what I research. It's what I prescribe. And I can't remember the last time I was able to do that. And when I say able, it's like, that also is a problem with that word. Cause it's like, I have to steal that time and I have to make it a priority for right. myself because yeah. nobody else on this planet is going to. And sometimes yeah. it's these micro moments. I always that say have that to take. Like, my, it I love it. Yeah. You have like, to take and, and, the micro moments. 
you have to, and you have to take hold of them. And when I became a mom, you know, I was someone that also, obviously I've researched the science behind self-care and rituals so much. And so I had all these things that I used to do. And then I became a mom. And obviously a lot of those went by the wayside because of just sheer not having the time and then being a working mom and having your own business and all of that, all the things that bring me joy, all these things bring me absolute joy. So I never want to give them up. But I realized somewhere down the line that I wasn't doing any of those things because I thought, well, I just don't have time for them. And then I realized even a minute, and this is what I always tell people, taking three minutes a day at different times in your day, like something in the morning, something in the middle of the day, and something in the evening, one minute at a time, a micro moment of your day, and doing something fully to go within for a minute. We all have three minutes. I always say that. I don't care how busy you are. I say it to no, myself no, you all the time. You have to create the space. It's and it's really about, about that. creating the space. The work is about going within. So we are actually built so much more um, in our brain to actually tap into our intuition. The part of our brain that is for that is so much bigger. And, and it's so interesting because the type of world that we live in today with the fast-paced technology, which obviously has its pros, like look what we're doing right now. Right, um, of course. All of those things and all the decisions, decision fatigue, like everything. There's always a a different choice you can make. Everything's going on. So many decisions. (laughs) We don't really have that relationship with our intuition anymore. And there's so much there. And so if there's one thing that people are always like asking me about this magic pill to happiness. And I used to say, you know, it was uninterrupted quality sleep. And I still believe that. But actually, I think I changed my answer and say <laughs> that the magic pill is really giving yourself time and space to listen to your own self and to go within. There's oh so God. much wisdom there. I it's- would not, without a doubt, be who I am, where I am in my life, in my personal life, in my career, if it was not for my daily commitment to meditation. And, you know, it's my practice has changed tremendously over the years. I was a diehard 40 minutes a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes before, like, you know, in the early evening before dinner. It's not, it doesn't quite look like that anymore. But even today, um, you know, after dropping my kids off at school, and then I was like, I went right into my list of all the things. And it was like my head immediately just felt heavy. And I was like, no, that does not run my day. And I put my phone away and I sat for, I strive for 20 minutes. It doesn't happen like that every day. It doesn't. And I think it's really important to share, like you said, these micro moments, that minute the five minutes, whatever you can give yourself, it really changes the way that you move through your day. I mean, it, it does. It's, it's a known fact, right? The yes. science behind yes. it actually changes your biochemistry and how you, you know, we, most of us operate. You know, I like to be really transparent about the difficulty in it too. And exactly mm-hmm. with what you're saying and, it, and especially coming from someone who literally, this is what I do for a living and I yeah. find it really hard. I love how honest you are. I find it so hard. Um, I'm just listening to myself talk and to you talk in this conversation. And I'm like, I have not taken the micro moments yeah. as of late and I feel totally out of whack. And this past year for me 
has really, really triggered the my like space and time in fight or flight. Like yeah. I was giving an example to a girlfriend the other day where I'm like, wow, my anxiety has really ticked up this year. And and for good reason, I think a lot of our anxiety has. And, and to sort of normalize that, my parents were staying with us for a night and well, they've been staying with us a lot to help us out with the kids over this year. It's so like the power of having family and support. And I know not everybody does or just someone you can trust and and feel safe with nearby is so important. I've really learned this year, like, you know, relying on other people, which is not something I was good at before, Mm. but they were staying with us. And my husband and I were sleeping in our room and they were in the guest room. And I heard like a scream kind of, and I immediately thought that there was someone in the house, like doing something. And so my husband and I ran over to the guest room where my parents were. And my dad had had like a cramp in his calf. And sometimes he gets like these cramps and he was fine. He was just sort of like, like, like it was hurting him. And then he was kind of like coming down from it. My husband immediately after seeing that there was no risk and nothing was wrong, could come back to the room and literally his like heart rate stopped beating so fast. He was able to come down very quickly and relax and go to sleep. My entire body was still in that like something's dangerous, something's happening. My heart rate wasn't resting. My palms were still sweaty. I wasn't breathing. You know, I was breathing really shallowly, like for a long time. Like I couldn't, Mm -hmm. and I had to like actively do some breathing exercises, do one of my own visualization, like to actually get there, get down. And I, and I have never really had that before where after being triggered by something, like it was lasting that long. And it's been, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been feeling kind of like consistently mm. for the past year. And so it's something to really like just in that moment, which was almost, I always talk to people about our bodies. You know, sometimes you can think something and know something. Like I've known that I needed to take a break yeah. <laughs> in, in every capacity of my life for a year, but like I've known it somewhere like back here. Right. But it took like a moment physically for my body, like it's like someone knocking on your door a little, yeah. a little, a little. And then an event or something happens where some where someone has to bang down your door yeah. for you to be like, oh. And right. that almost was this like very visceral moment or collection of moments for me where I was like, this feeling that I can't, I'm like actively trying so hard to like keep at bay right now. Like, oh my gosh, I recognize this. This has been around for quite a while now over this year. And I just have yeah. kept being like, pushing it under the rug. And so, um, again, just taking time and to like look within and be like, what is my body telling me? And sometimes like cognitively, we can't quite get there. And so sometimes when someone is having a thought or something that is, um, making them anxious or some feeling like that, I always, if you can't get there cognitively and you can't self-correct or, or, um, sort of talk yourself through it. Sometimes I'm just like, where do you feel it in your body? And try yeah. to work on that. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, that's great. I, I that feeling that you were describing, the way that you felt. I grew up with that feeling throughout, like leading into like my early adult years. So I'm wow. well aware of like almost living in that natural state. Yeah. And I thought that was normal until it wasn't. And it's you know, it's like if you don't listen to the whispers and those gentle whispers, we all know, we all hear them but we push them away, then you, you can't turn away the screams. And, and it's when it gets so bad, it's unbearable. And you're like, what do I do now? So, yeah. you know, I, I truly 
built a practice around like healing myself first. So understanding that fight or flight was my natural function. That was like the natural state I lived in for most of my life. And then it will get to a point where you cannot function like that anymore. And you have to change. What was that point for you? That point for me was when I was just at such a low in my life. My eating disorder was at an all-time high. I was drinking. I was not paying attention to anything. I was not mindful. I was, it's like I had some consciousness, but I, I just totally pushed it all away. And I, you know, was drinking, staying out late and then binging until wee hours of the night and then waking up feeling absolutely horrible. And it just, I, I knew one morning when I woke up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. I don't want to. Like, I can't keep going because it's going to get bad. I know myself. It's like, you know, it just, I felt, I felt the path like really taking a hold of me. And that's when I asked for help. I knew I needed help though. I knew that I, I could not rely on my own strength anymore. And I think this is the thing with most of us is that we do rely on our own strength. Right. And while we are strong, powerful individuals, there is a power greater than each and every one of us. And when we are, allow ourselves to tap into that, and what is that? To me, that's the space. That's the, the pause. That's taking those gentle moments, those micro moments with yourself. So we can dim and quiet or at least turn down the external noise. It's not always going to turn off entirely. So we have to know you know, how to tap in and go deeper. So the more, so first of all, asking for help, getting help, following through with help and maintaining help for years. I saw a therapist. I had, you know, I had to build a team around me. Thankfully, I was able, I was single at the time. I, you know, was really good with my money, save my money. I was able to pay for those things. It's not accessible for everyone. But thankfully, there are things out there now right. that are so much more accessible for everyone. And Wait, what did help, what did help and asking for help look like for you? Can you, like, I think that for people yeah. out there, oftentimes <laughs> we talk about, you know, when I, when I ask people about their stories and they get to a point where there is some sort of rock bottom and then they say that they were able to get help or they asked for help. And I realize sometimes we gloss over that. And for some people out there, asking for help is really hard. And so can you describe a little bit, if you can like go back to that, feeling and moment and what did asking for help like actually look like? What was that process? For me, it was calling a friend and asking for her therapist that, you know, I knew was doing wonders in her life. So it was, it was literally going outside of myself and asking someone I trusted for a reliable resource in their life. And it was, you know, and then following through with it. So actually getting the number calling, you have to want to change, right? It's like, how many times have people, have you wanted to change someone or help them guide them to a transition in their life? But if they don't want it, it's never going to happen. So that was that for me. And then continuing to go through the motions of therapy was so hard for me. I wanted to leave so many times. I was like, I don't need this anymore. I'm fine. And I needed it. I needed to heal a lot of the things that I had really pushed under the rug. And then that really 
came up when I moved to New York by myself. It was like every emotion, feeling um, really came alive here. And there was no more running. There was no more hiding. There was no more space for secrets. It was like, I, I had to get honest with myself. I always knew exactly who I wanted to be. And I have become her. I'm very proud to say that I have fully embodied exactly who I used to like. I, I envisioned this. I mean, it's, it's not an idea. That I, this person, like this, you know, exact soul that I've stepped into, but it's through the work. And, it's, and that's why, you know, when I, I share my practice, it's a lot of people approach me and they're like, you're so disciplined. You're so this. And I'm like, no, I'm not disciplined. I'm actually, I don't love that word because that to me goes back to that eating disorder mentality when you're like strict and it has to be this way. And mm-hmm. that way does not work for me. And for me, it's, it's this commitment to myself because I know what it feels like to wake up every day and to not like myself to not love myself and to be miserable about the day ahead. I lived that life for many, many years. I thought that was normal. And then when I started, you know, when I was seeing my therapist and then I started working with a health coach long before I ever knew what a health coach was. And I started to really see life and to live life. And I, I know with, with the work that I share, I want nothing more than people to feel that zest for this beautiful life that we have available to us, even if in the moment things don't feel so beautiful. And not every day is beautiful, but there's ways to look for the beauty, right? To like see the beauty. And for me, I I commit to myself. I carve out something. Like I moved my body for 10 minutes and my meditation was probably 15 minutes. That's actually a lot of time for moms, right? And running my business. But I... I have to do this work mm-hmm. or else I can go back to the old way of thinking and those negative thought patterns come in quickly if I neglect the things that have helped me build this woman right here. Right. Wow. That is so inspiring, especially to someone that's sitting across from me right now that is like, I always wonder for myself because I'm like, I feel really good when I move my body. And I mm-hmm. uh, people out there that have listened know that the way that I sort of find my joy in moving my body is just when like you dance. dancing. Yeah. I love you know, when you dance. When I Me dance. Too. But I want to, I want to be committed to moving my body in a more, I don't know what the right word is, but like a more structured way, mm-hmm. kind of like a form of consistent. exercise, consistent. Yeah. Um, I used to love Pilates. I know for a fact, I would absolutely love the Melissa Wood health workouts, <laughs> but I can't like, I don't know. It's sort of that procrastinator like sort of thing before or like the fact that I know drinking water is so good for me. And I'm still like, my mom is just like, I don't know what to do with you. She like my, my son, who's almost four will be like, mommy, did you drink water today? Like he's on on top of me too. And it's like, I'm like a crazy person with water. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, I honestly (laughs) think half of my like physical issues would go away if I just drink more water. And I know that like cognitively and rationally, but sometimes these things are really difficult to put into play in your sort of daily life. And I think part of it is this idea when I'm hearing you speak, like I love how you worded it with being like the 15 minutes of meditation and, you know, the five minutes here and there and those 15 yeah. minutes. And you're like that, that maybe sounds like a lot actually for a mom and for 
someone that owns their own business, but I need it. And I'm committed. It's, it's that you're committed to yourself. And I realize in that moment while you're talking, that is what that commitment to myself is, I think, what will bring me finally to drinking more water and actually like, you know, honoring myself with some sort of consistent, you know, feel good movement for my physical body. It has nothing other than the fact that I think it's great for when I do it. I know it's good for my body. It's good for my strength. Like I'm a mom of two boys. I want to keep up with them. And also like it's, you know, it releases endorphins. It makes me feel happy. And so I think that's that missing thing. Like I have not done a very good job lately at committing things to myself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to that, but that like even taking a few minutes today to go in and be like, why am I not doing that? And how can I do a better job of that? Because I want to, I know I deserve it. Those moments, it all comes down to like, I have not, and I am like the first to admit, I feel like I'm like at a meeting right now, but I'm like, (laughs) I'm an optimism doctor and I'm here to admit that I have not been taking any time to go within and see what would help me live more optimally. Um, But you know what? That's what is so relatable and just real because most, women don't. Right. Or we do at times and then we don't. Right. So it's a daily practice where I have to like rework the way that I view getting on the mat or getting on my meditation pillow because I know that's what makes me so much better in everything that I do. And and listen, I share all about consistency. Some days it doesn't happen. And let me tell you, I don't love how I feel. I mean, once in a while, it's okay. I can get through the day, but it's, I feel different. I really do. And one thing that always really helps me get there is asking myself, like, I love to ask myself this question in the morning and I share this a lot, but it's how bad do I, how, like, how bad do you want to feel good? Like really good. And for me, I want to feel good so badly that I am willing to do all of the uncomfortable things to get me to that place, to move through the resistance that comes up because it's normal. Right. How do we move through it? So for me, I'm like you, like put a play, I've created this amazing Spotify playlist. It's like three hours. I like, when I'm getting ready in my, I'm like yes. dancing and then maybe I'll do some leg lifts. And some days that's my movement, truly, that's it. But it's asking myself that. And I know it's like, okay, so what are the things? What are the things? Maybe listening to a guided meditation on my walk home from dropping my son and then stopping in the park and doing a 10 minute bench series. I don't care in front of people. Like if people walk by, it's like, this is, you have to go in, you have to go in. And then it's, you know, this is also what's helped me create things on my app for women like us, right? So like a five minute arms, a five minute abs or a 10 minute abs. And I think the more that you get this like craving for it, which it really sounds like you're at that place. Everyone's place is different, right? So even like one thing I love to do too is like write a little or even in lipstick on your bathroom mirror, how bad do I want to feel good? And then it's like, you look at yourself, you know, you can't not be honest with yourself. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's do whatever it takes to get yourself there. Even if it's like turning on music when you're making coffee with your boys and bring it into their life. And I mean, I know I, I do that a lot. I am not perfect with this, you guys. Like I really share this because I struggle to get there every day too. But it's knowing 
the result and how I feel. So it's, I'll bring in all the tools, the crystals. I got all the crystals. I got all the, all the things like the you know, oils. I, I like yes. bother myself in oils to get to meditate and it does help. It helps. I think that is such an important point. It's about creating your own experience and, and for lack of a better term, but like setting your own mood or like setting the vibe is so important yes. for whatever you're going to do. And the cool thing is like, you get to be creative with that. And I always tell, like for me, I'm, you know, I study the science behind visual imagery. And so it's a, a lot of that is about like, uh, sort of turning on all of our senses. And so I'm a big, like sensory person yeah. and, and I can really be moved fairly quickly by just, tapping into like one of my senses, whether it's sense or touch or, you know, smell, whatever it is. And so I said scent and smell at the same time. So, um, <laughs> I, I didn't even catch it. I yeah. was like, yes, you know, I'm it just sounded different. Um, <laughs> but they're both the same things, guys. <laughs> but like, I think that's something that's been really key for me is sort of like allowing myself to set the mood. Set and, the mood. Yes. And like, Another thing that I find is really helpful, which hopefully I'll start to do for myself, <laughs> but I find it helpful for others when I, <laughs> when I tell them is, you know, making things really easy. So like setting, I, I've watched my husband. He, he is someone that needs to work out, like really yeah. work out in the morning. He likes to have a good sweat. Um, that's what he really like. He needs it every day or he doesn't right. feel good. And he will wake up an hour early, whatever that is. If he had to start work at six before he'd wake up at five, yeah. like he will take that time. He finds it worth it. He commits it to himself. And the way that I saw that it was easier for him is he would literally set out his workout clothes on the edge of the bed. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and so like so right smart. when he'd wake up and it would be dark because he didn't want to wake me up because I needed the extra hour of sleep. He would just be like, it was very, it was right there. And he just right. put on his clothes and sort of do that. And so I think the next step for me will be a couple things, but yeah, making it easier. Like I think I'm going to do some of your workouts in my bedroom because I already I mean, do wake anywhere. up and dance. And you can do, you can use your dresser, do dance and then do a yeah. standing. I already do wake up and dance. So it would be a nice transition. And I could start with like a five minute workout. And I think what really helps me is definitely I'm someone again that like I have to set the mood and that really helps. Me too. I am too. And I, you know, one thing that always helps the music, then you, you like more naturally will roll out the mat. Yes. And that, I mean, truly is why I share things the way that I do and the increments of time that the way that I do so that there is something that you can absolutely accomplish, even if it's in such a short, short period of time. I know we're kind of running out of time, but I wanted to I ask know. you really quickly. Yes. And I'm sure this is not a quick answer, but we didn't really get to talk about your sort of journey into yeah. fitness and health and wellness and creating the brand. Yeah. Is there like a particular moment or time in which like you can remember that really inspired and propelled you into offering what you offer and the way you offer it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I'll, I'll give you really just like an abbreviated version that really touches on the most important thing. And for me, it was living in the mindset in the past where I believed I had to torture myself truly in all things to see results. So in the gym, doing an hour of cardio, an hour of weight training a day, seven days a week. I did that for many years. And also 
the same with food. It was like torturing myself. I thought I had to deprive myself, withhold all of the things that I loved because they weren't good for me. And it was really through my meditation practice where I started to love myself and really see the beauty of like who I am and that I'm such a kind-hearted, compassionate, loving human that really at the end of the day wanted nothing more than to feel good in my own body. And through combining these low impact movements. So through Pilates and yoga, I was getting stronger than I had ever been in my entire life. And I was doing 20 minutes a day. Maybe some days it would be 30, but 20 minutes is really my, my sweet spot. And then through sharing my workouts on social media and then transitioning it, sharing everything on a website, I built a, built a website, shared everything on the back of the paywall, it just, it really changed everything for me because I was able to connect with people all over the globe who were going through the same thing. And through the power of that community, I started teaching in the digital space. So I was never in person. Everything was virtually for me. And it just, I, I discovered a love for what I do. And, and I had no idea that this is what I'd be doing. Like I never, now when I think back, I'm like all along, I think, I wanted to be a teacher, but I wasn't there. I, I wasn't meeting myself where I was. You know, I was closed off. And through allowing, you know, the process to live through me, I truly live it and I breathe it. And I think that's why I'm so extremely passionate about it because I, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today without this commitment to myself. And, and then, you know, I launched my app in December, 2019 on my birthday, December 4th. So uh, literally a few months before the pandemic hit. So yes. I had been sharing my workouts virtually for years. And then I was, you know, very fortunate to be able to be online during such a horrific time for so yes. many of us, but to be able to offer something while people couldn't leave and you know, it was really the silver lining and the most beautiful thing that I could have possibly done during that time. I also think that what I'm so drawn, you know, not just because I adore you as a friend, but I think that's, this is kind of the reason why is that it comes out in your workouts too. But what I'm, I think what a lot of people are drawn to and what I certainly am is that like, you really create like a safe space mm. mentally and emotionally. And a lot of times like, people wouldn't think about it, but I, I've seen in the work that I do, like working out and doing something active and just the relationship to one's body can often be a place where people don't feel safe. And actually yeah. like there are a lot of, there's a lot of resistance and walls that come up even in trying to improve because yeah. of what surrounds us in sort of like the fitness and health and wellness world. Um, I think it can be really off-putting for a lot of people that are just they, yes. they want to do better and they want to, they want to improve, but what's there and what's, what's sort of there to offer them, to help them through classes or even virtually or in person, it can be very daunting and actually not a very safe space. No, that is actually, I had someone ask me recently how someone would feel entering um, my space. And I said, safe. I hope that everyone who, and welcome, mm -hmm. you know, I, what really turned 
all the light bulbs on for me was after leaving a class and I had a horrible relationship to self. So I was also modeling for years, was told I always needed to lose weight, trim down my thoughts. So already my programming was not enough with everything. It was like I was always striving to be mm-hmm. something that I wasn't at that moment. And that really takes an em- uh, emotional toll on you mentally, physically, spiritually. And it was leaving a class and after being measured and being told that I needed to trim down on a certain area of my body and the energy in the class, it felt really bad. I didn't feel good and being called out for something. And I just, I was walking home and it just hit me. It literally, I was like, I want to be a teacher. And I, I literally never thought about it before that. And I was like, I really want to make people feel good in their bodies. And at the time I was working as a health coach and I enjoyed, I enjoyed helping people really get to this beautiful place with themselves in their life, but something was missing. I always said, this isn't it. I'm just scratching the surface. And it was like, that was my moment. And then I was pregnant with my son and it was like, I had, I knew there had to be another way. And I was willing to invest every ounce of myself to create it because I knew I'm like, there there has to be a way to enjoy yourself, but not work out for an hour, but to see results in 20 minutes. Like, how do we do it? And I think it's through the mind body connection, right? It's like molding the two. So through these meditative movements where I'm not pounding you into the ground, right? right? Where you're able to connect so deeply with your breath, breath. It's, it is like a moving meditation, essentially. That's what I hope for people. I mean, listen, they're not easy, my workouts. They are challenging. Even my beginner ones, like I want to challenge you, but right. I don't ever want you to feel like you are not capable. I'm right. not like, there is not an air of competitive energy when I teach an in-person class or when I teach online. That is not what I'm looking to achieve. Unfortunately, with a lot of classrooms and, and classes and studios, there's a, there's a competitive energy and that works for some people. I think you just have to, at the end of the day, ask yourself what works for you. For me, I was like, you know, told for so long that I needed to do all these things. I had cellulite. I had one trainer tell me that I had cellulite on the back of my thighs and she was ashamed of me when she saw photos of me in a Halloween costume. I'm not kidding. And I was so I cry, I was so devastated that she was ashamed of the cell. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I allowed this to happen for years and years of my life because I was not confident. Right. I also didn't know that there was another way. So I really hope with anyone that comes to my platform that they feel, they feel good in, in their own skin and they, they, you know, there's no comparing, like we don't need to compare how I look, how you look. It's, it's all about embracing who you are and moving in a way that feels good for you. Well, I think that absolutely comes across and is definitely a testament to why your workouts are so popular. I mean, I, I didn't even really know much about any of it until after we became friends and I literally (laughs) can be anywhere in the world. And I like someone I know that's like so random from a different, you know, some way that I know them, like they're doing your workouts. So I love that. It's like this common thread. My husband even knows. (laughs) He's like, oh yeah, like Melissa would help. Like even he knows. (laughs) So it's like, it's a true... A true, t- and he's about to really know because I'm about to start doing it in our bedroom. <laughs> You're about to come into the bedroom. 
So yay. So my last question for you is what is looking up for you? What are you most hopeful about, optimistic about, excited about personally, career-wise, world-wise, whatever it is? I love that question. You know, for me, I have so many really exciting things going on in my life that I'm just like, I, you know, I have these moments where I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. But I, then I'm like, but I can because I created it. And it just shows that when you believe in yourself truly, like I've had to build myself up to this point of like really believing in, in who I am and my mission in life. And I'm just, I'm really excited to really take it all in and to enjoy the process and to learn as much as I possibly can. And the other thing that I've found is the most essential thing for me is while I am, I'm just so excited and like, you know, ecstatic about all the things that I'm doing to, you know, in this moment and that are blossoming is taking the time to enjoy it. So stepping away from from work and giving myself the opportunity to fully take in everything in my life and and have those beautiful moments with my family and also moments with myself. I love to be alone and there's not a lot of it. So like for me, it was like going rollerblading on Saturday for 40 minutes. I was so happy. (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's taking more of those moments for me because it's what really fuels me to tap into all of the, the beautiful things that are brewing and to be able to stay in this really easeful place in my mind and my body as things get busier. You know, I, I just, I want to, I want to take it all in. I want to enjoy it. I love that. That is so beautiful. I'm going to pick a card. The last thing we do here on uh, looking up. Oh, I love your cards. I get to pick a card for you. If we were together, you'd pick a card, but I'm picking a card from things are looking up optimism deck of cards. It's going to be. I love this deck, you guys. This is also a great way to start the day. If you need to shift your perception, just pick up a card. Okay. This is your card. Okay. This is actually such a good card for literally what you just said. This is kind of crazy, but this always happens for some reason. I pick a random card (laughs) and it makes like perfect sense for what we just talked about. Okay. Take a moment to reflect and remember how badly you wanted something that you currently have today. Mm. Whatever comes up, it could be something really big or something really small. Reflect how badly you wished for it. And take a moment to appreciate all the effort you made to manifest and realize it. You did it. You created it. That's like the literally fact that that's done. my card. I just had chills. I the know. synchronicity of the world. Yes. There are no coincidences. No. It's synchronicity. Wow. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for being on Looking Up. And it was so fun to catch up. I adore you. Thank you, honestly, so much for having me. It is my honor, my absolute pleasure. I am just, I'm so happy to have you in my life. I'm so lucky. You're just like, truly, I look at what social media can do. Like, I know we wouldn't have met. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, like, I don't think we could have kept up as much as we could have. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. 
If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism. Optimism.